0: Hello, and welcome to Science Unscripted. It's Connor here. And Gabe. And we're going to start off talking a little bit about Kassel, Germany today, which is a city that most of our listeners around the world will have never heard of. In fact, probably nearly all of you. I I live in Germany, and I'd heard of it,
1: but had no association with it. I've driven through it, and the only reason I know it is because there's a, a kind of ham that is named after the city of Kassel, Kassler. Kessler ham? Kessler ham. It's like a, a steamed ham. Okay. So they've got that. Um,
0: the other thing they've got is geography. Kassel is uh, it's in the middle of Germany. And um, in some ways, that's not a coincidence. That's, that's kind of why I went there, because if you're placed in the middle of Germany, then anytime there's a national competition that requires a lot of people to go and meet in one place, why not in the middle? right? And that's Castle. Castle's right in the middle, and so if you're down in Bavaria, you go up toward the middle. If you're up in, I don't know, Brandenburg, you
1: go down. Everyone can meet right in the middle. So you went to this competition. And it was... And the only reason, the only thing I know about this competition is that it was about robots? Yes. And that your son is really interested in robots. My son is really interested in robots. He's eight
0: years old. I went through a similar phase, and the the thing I'm grappling with as a dad is my inability to really, like, like, foster that interest. I don't, I don't, no electronics very well. I can't, I can't build these kits with him. I don't know how to do it. Hmm. And so one thing I thought might help would be to, for him to go see other, these are secondary schoolers, so kids between 5th um, grade all the way up to 12th or even 13th grade here in Germany, mm-hmm. um, in a huge robot competition with all these robots zooming around. They have created a robot, yeah. and they brought their robot to the competition to, to see if it wins? yes. And so that was that was about as much as I knew. Yeah. And we went there, and <clears throat> I think the the most visually fascinating. Basically, there there are a lot of different competitions there, and the one that everyone kind of laser focuses in on is the soccer competition because it's you know it's the most popular sport here well, around so the world. So soccer
1: playing robots now. Soccer
0: right? playing robots. Okay. So if you want a visual on this, if anyone has seen a Roomba. Vacuum cleaner, you know the, the, those autonomous vacuum cleaners that move around, or lawnmowers, yeah, yeah, or the lawnmowers. Yeah, it's like that. It on a billiard table, except the billiard table's like four times the size. Okay, and then on each end there's a goal, and it's two on two, two on two. Okay, and these robots. This is really, really critical. These robots are autonomous, so you don't have a remote control. You're not you're not controlling them. You have to pre-program them to independently move around and win the soccer game. And four times the size of a billiard table. How big is the ball? Um, sometimes, okay, there's a small, uh, yeah, in, in this case, the ball is about the size of a pool ball. Cool. And it has two red lights, which kind of help the robot see it. The in sensors, other, do these robots have legs? Are they walking around? Or? It, I use Roomba as an example because a lot of the robots follow that model. But you can, in theory, build whatever kind of robot you want. And it was just, it was so fascinating to see because... Um, Robots that look the same, one would lose every single time. One, one poor team would lose every single time they didn't know why. What was different? You're, you're pre-programming th- th- this robot to um, have to... what? Th- th- just to go through a couple examples. Yeah. It has to recognize a ball as a ball and not accident, accidentally think that the other robot is the ball. Mm-hmm. It has to know how to position itself behind the ball and then move toward the goal. But if it goes too quickly toward the ball, the ball gets knocked away. So you have to, you have to really program a lot of details... Angle changing the angles, and then what? What do you do if the other team gets the ball?
1: Yeah, and also strategy. Do we have a a goaltender who hangs out by his own net? So,
0: oh uh, yeah. So we're at a point where there's a, a an offensive robot, a defensive robot on okay. both teams, and to kind of, I mean, I guess to set the scene, this is this was in a, a trade fair hall, and it filled with uh, five hundred teams, sixteen hundred people kind of body kind odor of, kind of <laughs> it smelled like that yeah it was it was sticky in there yeah. um a lot of kids, German I, I, body odor yeah I I mean this is uh, the night before I'd gone with my kids we stayed at a youth hostel oh. and all these same kids were all there and it was it's just a crazy scene all around you I, I parked the car and um, two teenage girls are leaning out the window smoking pot or whatever. At first, first they thought they were, you know, I'd, I'd caught them or something and then went in and then you've got all these guys working on their robots at night, drinking beers, but legally because they're 16, 16 yeah. and you can do that in Germany. It's just kind of an odd scene. And then, yeah, yeah just a crazy. scene. Anyway, so inside you hear these, like these random groups erupting in cheers because they've scored the goal. They've won. Um, yeah. And it was all... On the one hand, really fascinating, and my kids loved watching it. it. It's just fun to watch. And on the other hand, kind of intimidating because this is really complex stuff. Mm. Really complex stuff. I, I was sitting there thinking, I don't know if you know, how, we're still a long ways away from from being able to do this kind of thing. And so I ended up. Um, I didn't go there as a reporter. I didn't go there for science and script. I went there with with my kids to to show them a good time. But I ended up uh, pulling out my smartphone at one point and walking up to one group that was really, they were kind of troubleshooting their robot. Something was going wrong with them. It, like a lot of teams, they were changing the software in like like seconds before the match, which seems really risky to me, but all of them were tweaking, adjusting based on what they'd seen. Um, and I went up, one of the, the guys' name was Liam, and um, he was there with Charlotte, his teammate Charlotte. And uh, I, I'm just going to play, it was kind of loud in there. So uh, keep that in mind or be forewarned. But um, I wanted to find out how long they'd been working on this together, because it looked like years, if not if not a decade, and to see kind of how they had gotten to this point. Could you give me your first name?
1: Um, Charlotte.
0: And Charlotte, did I understand you right that five months ago you and your team had no robots? Yeah. And now you have soccer-playing robots that you created.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. That's
0: How? Right. How did you do that?
1: <laughs> I, don't, I myself don't know. It's we we had like great coaches and we also had a lot of support from the other teams. I think if we didn't have those support, we wouldn't have been able to manage.
0: And our whole spring break, we were. I think we were over 120 hours there yes. to build and program. So it was a lot of time. I think a lot of kids your age would take or would use spring break to do other things yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> why what got you into this it's just fun because yeah. when we are really into this and we started it you see the progress what your robot makes it's just physical. it's amazing
1: <laughs> because as you said in such short amount of time we've managed to get so far and um, on our first um, competition we had like at first we didn't know what was going on at all but after some time we got used to it and also we. Had some really difficult um, um, uh, competition. Competition, yeah, and so we got really motivated. We really wanted to beat our uh, um, the other team, and yeah, it it was really fun. Did they win? No, (laughs) but they knew it. They knew they weren't going to win. I talked to him about that. So, was it elimination? They would go against a different team, and if you lost, then, you, then you're out, you're gone? It's, it's like a lot of—it's uh, like the, the World Cup of, of soccer or football.
0: It's like, uh, also, yeah, the winner goes on to play the winner, goes on to play the winner, goes on to play the winner. And they knew they, knew they probably didn't have the best chances. They didn't end up winning. Um, basically, they have all these different categories. They were in soccer, and even within soccer, they've got five different categories for the different fields and what they're trying to do. And in most of the categories, if you take first or second place— you go on to the World Championship, which uh, last year was in, I believe, Bangkok. This year it happens to be in Bordeaux, France. Um, if you took th- third, fourth, or fifth place, you go to the European Championships, and that is in Croatia. Uh, and so then you would have to make, cool. it through, make it through Croatia, make it through the European Championships, and then go to the World Championships. No, I went the, – the, the winner board um, <laughs> was – I don't know what's going on. A lot of teams from Lake Constance in the south of Germany, and then this one team, the iBots – uh, out of Hanover have been dominating for years. This is the Bayern Munich of of the Junior Robo Cup Championships. They they just keep on winning.
1: <laughs> Did you get a chance to see what the winning robots looked like? Did they was there a specific I, trait I, that they had? I really I I didn't see that, but I asked I um Liam and Charlotte what what it, what
0: does it mean it, that you think you're going to lose because you think you're going to lose against whom and why like what's the problem? Um and I don't have that clip here with me, but what they replied was basically heavier, faster. Is, those are the two criteria, heavier and faster when it comes to specifically with soccer, because you can bump the other guy out of the way. Now, the referees are the, running the phys- around
1: the physical upper hand.
0: Yeah, there are rules and they have referees sprinting around, jumping around um, like loss of forward movement, loss of forward movement. And then they replace the ball. It's all really intense, really serious. That that was one category. The other was Maze, which is self-explanatory. robot has to figure out the maze and get through it, hmm. completely map it. And then the other one that was very interesting to watch was, um, was called Rescue. And there it looks like the robot just has to follow a black line, but they have obstacles, little speed bumps. They have like a, a jar of water that it has to go around. It has to leave the black line. And that might sound unsexy, unexciting, yeah. uh, but it, it was actually really intense. I watched these two boys... Whose robot failed twice in a row, and it was not clear why. And then they put it on, for, I think, for the third and final time, and it made it. And they're like,
1: "Yes!" And they're <laughs> screaming, and their parents are there screaming. So you were you were definitely excited by all this. What about what effect did it have on Elliot? Um, he's he's
0: yeah, he's as, as pumped as before. Yeah. And uh, the big surprise was my daughter. Because, and it sounds like I'm being sexist, it's, it's a, he's expressed interest in robots for years and she hasn't. She has other interests, totally great, just not this. And even though I would say it was roughly nine young teenage boys to every one teenage girl, you had teams of, of girls, and my daughter absolutely locked in to those teams they're all all these tables set up on the sides she'd walk over and be looking at what they're doing um, and that inspired her and now she really wants to go to one of these robo camps that you can go to during the the, the summer break so you, you can inspire your kids that way it's a nice time I would recommend choosing a team in advance and going and supporting them I went to find my local team and I was like yeah I want to meet these guys I want them to win and they were busy playing a a, 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 a flight simulator fighter game on their laptop. They had no interest in talking to me, and, and <laughs> so that didn't really pan out. Mm. But it's a fun experience, and it's just, I don't know, inspiring to see so many young kids doing re- what looks like amazing stuff, building robots, something I can yeah, do. Yeah, and stuff they'll
1: be able to use in the future for sure, huh? Yeah. Speaking of the future, we've got, do we have any time left? Real quick, study out of Austin, Texas. Do you remember when we went to Nijmegen, the Netherlands? Yeah. Last year, they put me in an fMRI tube to see what I was thinking about. Yeah, to see re- the images that it, that were in my mind to kind of recreate the experiment of what is really close to mind reading. Yeah, the uh, same thing. The same thing has happened here. It's uh, just with text. So this was an experiment done at the University of Texas at Austin. They had people either listen to a story or tell. Actually, read out loud a story, or even watch a short film, and while they were doing that, uh, they were scanned inside an fMRI tube, and they were using something called a semantic decoder to then create continuous text. So while they were listening to the story or reading out the story, this decoder was creating text, reading their minds—the exact, almost the exact text that they were hearing or speaking. Accuracy, definitely the gist of it, not. Here's a, a page right here. The, those colors, red, mm-hmm. purple, and blue. Red was wrong. Purple was kind of right. Blue was were spot on. So they're mostly,
0: in in one example, it's about 50% wrong, but down you get toward the fourth example and they get increasingly more and more accurate. It's,
1: it still gets the gist of what you're listening to or reading inside your mind. The words that are in your mind are coming out onto the paper using this Artificial intelligence, this semantic and again, decoder. they were listening to a story or reading three different things, so they were either reading a story themselves, listening to a story and or or watching a short, silent film. so note no words at all watching a short film, and the decoder was yeah reading the words out of their head, so in Nijmegen, what was that the the image inside my mind was was literally being drawn out on a on a piece of paper. Here it was the the words the words that are in your mind. Wow! I... Now the, the, one thing that should be said is that beforehand the the people that went through this tube they they trained the system got trained on them hours yeah, hours, course, and, hours and hours and hours. So what they did was they listened to a podcast inside that fMRI tube, mm-hmm. and the the semantic decoder was going to work training or learning what well, what ba- words those people use inside their head. It basically it knew that for the word let's say bear. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Gabriel Bourne's brain shifts or the blood inside your brain shifts ever so slightly right there, there and there and that lines up with bear for mm-hmm. whatever reason and then they can work off that in the future. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, That's they, really crazy stuff.
1: Real quick before, before we go they, they went in, they, were, they looked into how to prevent people from misusing this technology and what they found out was that you can't really force someone into a tube like this because they have control of their own thoughts. Do right? they? Do they though? I mean over the over the short
0: term, yes, over the long term, because the, my fear what is... you'
1: saying is that if you try to read someone's thoughts and they they use their own thoughts to to jumble it up the it gobbledygook came out, okay, so you have to be listening to a story or reading out a story or watching a film, then you can um decode that the semantics of that those words or thoughts be- because if force it... someone in there and they think other things than what you're trying to decode then. But couldn't those also possibly come out as
0: they refine it? My concern would have been... Yeah, at this point it's safe. My concern would have been... At
1: this point it's safe. I'm
0: supposed to be reading something and I end up thinking, God, this experiment is so boring, I can't wait to get out. Mm -hmm. And then that ends up getting printed in front of the experimenters and they get to see it. Yeah. I mean, on a positive note, I remember way back when one of my many summer jobs trying to earn money for college was sealing asphalt. And I don't know if you've ever sealed asphalt. It's a... Um, I've never sealed asphalt. It's a, it, it's, I, I want to know it's how to do it. Tedious. I, I want I would love to do it. You know how a Zamboni puts a fresh layer of water on ice? Yeah. It, you've got like an asphalt Zamboni and it puts a fresh layer of tarish stuff mm-hmm. over existing asphalt and gives it a fresh new black coat and it's Beautiful. smooth, Beautiful. except, um, like a Zamboni or more like a riding lawnmower. It can't quite catch the corners. All those, you know, the curves of the curbs. Zamboni can make an incredibly tight turn. Okay. I've been riding lawnmower. It yeah. can't, if you've got a flower bed, you've probably got to go do that by hand. Same thing. And so you've got, I followed with a, a broom that was stuck full of tar and just followed the Zamboni and, and sure. for hours on end. Anyway, the point being, um, I remember talking to one of the other guys who, who was doing the same thing. And he said, you know, I wish I could see the ticker tape of my thoughts after doing that for hours. <laughs> The ticker tape of my thoughts. And that's what that technology, because you know what, when you're on your own for hours, where does your mind go exactly? And if you had a printout, or not a printout, but a digital
1: documentation. When I was in the fMRI in Nijmegen, I fell asleep. It was, it was beautiful in there. <laughs> I don't think that's the I'm idea. Just, I'm just wondering if they, if they were able to, to force people into fMRIs to find out what's going on inside their heads, that might, might not be that bad.
0: Yeah, okay, so my dream is to seal asphalt with a, a mobile fMRI around my head. <laughs> Just
1: roll you around. Roll your and hopefully
0: I'm still able to sweep that broom and make that parking lot beautiful in front of the old Navy store. So Oddly that more people satisfied. can park there. Yeah.
1: Oddly satisfied. What would we you do?
0: Go. Yeah, what would you do with technology like this? What would you hope to see from it? Uh, a lot of implications. SU at DW.com. Science unscripted.